All right, what is up, everybody? This is Ivan. Welcome back to the third episode of Touchdowns and Ticket Stubs. Um, it is currently Thursday night. It is nine, almost nine thirty p.m. I haven't recorded. I have no plan. So this is gonna. We're just gonna see how this goes. And uh, I'm actually gonna have Tanner on with me for the whole episode, rather than just the mental health minute. He just got back from a workout at the gym, and he was an hour late to our originally planned time, and so. His punishment is that he now has to film the entire or record the entire episode with me, which I think should be fun. So uh, to give you guys some background on Tanner and I, which I kind of am ashamed we haven't done this yet. Uh, Tanner and I have been, I would say, best friends since eighth grade. Uh, he was in my English class and I asked him if he, if he played Black Ops and he said yes. So I went over to his house that night and we played Black Ops together and it's been it's been good ever since, I guess. 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. Oh, jeez. 13 whole years. 13 years is my therapist. That must be tough. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what this... Uh, we're going to just uh, talk... We're just going to do the normal uh, like structure or segment order. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk about movies. Then we'll talk about mental health. Uh, hopefully, um, it's not a complete hodgepodge and it's somewhat editable into something that I can post. So... Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Let's get to it. segment where we talk about sports today which is tanner's favorite subject tanner's a sports fan but not a sports fanatic yeah i i'm like i'm like that low-key food critic that just tells his friends about like the food he enjoys yeah but he, he doesn't post things he doesn't he isn't an actual food critic you right know? Yeah, yeah yeah he just gives the recommendations right right so tanner and i actually played basketball together on our freshman high school team um, i i'm seeing you looking at me like do we really want to get into this? we're gonna admit to something uh that was a winless season for the wolverines it was a tough year but uh yeah so tanner isn't like a fanatic like a lot of us are but he does know sports well enough that i think he can carry on a conversation but we'll see yeah so, uh, okay <laughs> so uh first thing we're going to talk about is the utah jazz had their first game of the season uh, first game of the regular season against the Sacramento Kings. Um, I did watch it, uh, and it was not fun to watch necessarily. Jazz were their they their strategy looks good. Their strategy matches what it has been for the past year, which was uh, shoot a bunch of threes, hope they go in, and then play decent defense. Um, and so first half or the first quarter, they struggled on defense. They didn't get a lot of pressure, um, and the Sacramento Kings caught fire. Kings were on fire pretty much the whole game, and the Jazz couldn't hit a three to save their life. Um, seriously, looking like Michael Scott out there on the basketball court shooting threes. So, but some highlights, some pros definitely. Uh, Keontae George and Ochai both looked really good. I think they need to get more minutes. I think George, Keontae, they just need to start Keontae. I think you can just give him ex as much experience as possible. So, uh, to give you some, Keontae was our a first round draft pick this year out of uh, Baylor. Cool. Um, so 
He's uh, he looks really good. I'm actually excited to see where he goes skill wise. But um, so that was the Jazz game. They laid the, they lost by like twenty something. I think. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. Not I, pretty. I just I just laughed at the fact that with eleven seconds left, they're running clock, and you know the audio in this in the stadium is going defense. defense. Yeah, it was like it was already and a sealed like... loss, dude. <laughs> yeah. And you got the crowd out there going defense. Yeah, I, was, I remember. Yeah, you said that, and we were like, we're both looking at the TV, like, what are what they doing? What are they for? doing that for? Um, <laughs> which was really, yeah, that was funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jazz season starts up again. I'm actually super excited. I have hope in in not that we're gonna have a necessarily successful season, but I think we're gonna have a fun season to watch. So, um, I'll definitely be watching. I'm going to be posting more and talking more about jazz content because I, I love the jazz. And plus, the company I work for now is is uh, their patch partner, which is pretty cool. So I think that's exciting. But okay, and then uh, we're going to talk about the Utes, uh, Utah football. <clears throat> last week, they uh, they went to the Coliseum, and I pretty much, guys, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but like. I knew what I was talking about last week because exactly what I talked about on the podcast last week happened. I did was off a little bit on the score estimate, but Utah pulled it out and it was a close game and Bryson Barnes looked like a dang hero out there and Sione Vaki looked fantastic. Um, offense was, it kept it going and I talked about that, how in the Cal game, uh, the offense started to pick up finally. They finally get started to put some pieces together. Even though it wasn't against a great defense, it still matters. You're still, you know, you still have to have cohesion on the offense. And they finally started getting that against Cal. Like I said, if that trend continued, I thought they would beat USC and they did. So, and obviously defense, I think is top three in the country. Um, and they proved that they, they're the first defense to keep Caleb Williams from scoring a passing touchdown um, ever, which that's, that's insane to me. I think that that's a stat that probably is overlooked a little bit. So, I think that's awesome. So freaking go Utes last week in the Coliseum. Dude, I I could not with I could not hold back my just pure euphoric happiness <laughs> when I found out that they beat USC. Yeah. Cause I, I just I don't know what it is about USC. They're the worst. But they grind my gears. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and like I don't know. I've interacted with some fans who are super obnoxious and like not everyone obviously <laughs> you is weren't like even that. on Twitter. Yeah, no, like I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even in the social media sphere and I sometimes I'm like, dude, what? But <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so oh it felt so good. There are definitely good USC fans, like on Twitter, like especially, but like yeah. And there's it's you know, and Kyle Whittingham was like, Oh, it's not a rivalry. It is for the fan base. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have we don't get to play them anymore, though. I mean, we might play them in a bowl game this year, which would be I don't. I mean, I doubt that, but um, yeah, it would. It would. The only time we would play them again is if we were playing in the Pac-12 championship, right? And the fact that Utah has beat them however many times in a row, three or four, four, yeah, four in a row now. Three Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are zero and three against the U. Yeah, which that's insane. Yeah, you know, and you've. You can imagine that their blood has got to be boiling against this oh, team because of what we've done to them mm-hmm. the past couple of years. Caleb Williams, I, I guarantee he hates Utah. Oh, yeah. The fans, the you know, the institution, they're classless, he probably would say. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, what a beautiful day to be a Ute fan when they won that game. And, and uh, what a beautiful week this week to be a Ute fan. But we'll talk about that here in just a minute. 
So I do want to talk about some top 25 matchups real quick. I just want to pick a couple that I think we should watch. Uh, just keep your eye on. Let me... Okay, so Tanner, typically what I do is I'll pick three games, and two of them will be top tw top 25 matchups. And then one will be kind of like an oddball pick that I think could just be a really fun game to watch. Yeah. So, um, and, then I'll, and then we'll cover the Utah game upcoming. So the NCAA football schedule for this week. Oof. Yeah, there's no like ranked on ranked matchups except for Utah. Which is why college game days come mm -hmm. this weekend. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> That's going to be free. Okay. All right. So I'll pick a couple games I think will be good. So we don't have a whole lot of ranked against ranked this week, but we're going to, um, I mean, the only one is Duke and Louisville and Duke looks good. They, uh, they had a game recently that I was like, yeah, it was against Florida state. I said it was going to be closer than everyone thought it was. And it was closer. It wasn't as close as I thought it was going to be, but Duke is still ranked 20 with two losses. So that's pretty crazy. So obviously that they're good enough to stay in there. So do I think that'll be a good game? No, not necessarily, but uh, I think it's at Louisville. That actually could be a good game. Anyway, so Duke and Louisville are the only ranked matchup. Those, I'm not going to pick that game because I have no like no interest in picking that. Uh, what I will pick, though, is Kansas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to be playing Kansas. Oklahoma's good this year, dude. Like They're super, super good. But Kansas has a really good offense. Their defense is just cheeks, though. So I think Kansas will lose that game. Uh, but I do want to watch that game just for the offense. I think that could be a fun game to watch. So Georgia and Florida. I think Georgia wins this game by 17. But I also think it would be hilarious to see social media, especially Utah Twitter, if Florida were to beat Georgia. Um, it's in the swamp. So it's in Florida. Georgia is the number one ranked team in the country right now. But Florida looks good. Florida's looked good the past since they played Utah. They've looked good. Yeah. So um, do I think they win? No, not, not, not by any means. I mean, means. Georgia's just something else. Georgia, so yeah, they are something else. They're more vulnerable this year, though, than they've ever been. Or than they've been the past yeah. few years. So you think they have the potential to leave the door open? Yeah, I yeah. think I think you could you could roll into a place like the Swamp against a team like Florida and overlook them. Oh, yeah. Like like not I don't think Kirby Smart will overlook these guys, but I think the players could. It kind of reminds me of when Oregon came to Utah, and they were ranked higher than Utah. They were like number three in the nation, something, or something like that. At the time. No, you were at you were with me. No, that we game. were at that game, yeah. and from the get go, you could tell the stadium, just the electric atmosphere. Uh -huh. It it did something to our players and their players. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very different effects, but it did something. You know, no, you could tell. That was a, dude, that was a crazy <laughs> game to be up. But you're right. Like, walking into that stadium, the Swamp, is one of the most electric stadiums in the in the country. I mean, that's if that doesn't have upset pots, like, probability all over it, I don't know what does. So Interesting. Cool. Um, I think Georgia wins, but I don't think it's uh, – But I would not be surprised to see an upset out of there. That'd be cool. So, USC plays Cal – uh, USC will win that. There's no way USC loses three games in a row after the last two weeks. Go Utes. Um, let's see. Oregon State and Arizona could be interesting. Arizona, so like Arizona hasn't been like, they haven't like won a whole lot of games, but they've been playing teams that they have no business being in games with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so like they played at USC in the Coliseum. They lost by two. Really? 43 to 41. They played Washington. That was in Arizona. 
They lost 31-24. Yeah. They're losing against big opponents by a score. Yep. So they're, they they're session, into these yeah. games. Yeah, it's so like Arizona, I've been actually kind of pleasantly surprised by. Yeah, Are they so, ranked at all? No, they're not ranked because they, they, they're they four and three. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But like they're, but they're, the teams they're playing are top notch yeah. talent. Like, and they're keeping it close. Right. Because were all of them ranked in the top 15 that they played when they played them? Yeah. Yeah. So like they had, um, they had SC at the time who was ranked number nine. Yeah. And they played Washington who was ranked seventh. Yep. At the time. Which yep. Washington's higher now. And then they got to play Oregon State this week, who is ranked 11th. Yeah. Oregon State beat Utah. Yeah. Yeah, they beat them when Utah's offense was still figuring itself out. But Oregon State's a good ball team. No, they're good. So, and I got a lot of flack from Oregon State fans on Twitter. So, but I'm still going to be nice to that team because I've always been an Oregon State fan in my heart a little bit. I've kind of always had a soft spot for them. They've always reminded me of Utah just so much. And you deserve, I mean... Any team that beats Utah, that's not a that's not that a joke. Defense, yeah. yeah, that's not yeah, a joke. Yeah. No. So like, you know, yeah, they can brag about it for a little bit, but yeah, they, they, they earned the, that right. So yeah, uh, yeah, they got to face Oregon State. That's going to be an eight thirty game, late game. So Pac twelve after dark, weird stuff happens. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arizona do something crazy in that game. So nice. Um, okay, those are the games I think everybody can should pay attention to. I mean, I, I'm gonna be watching all of them, right? But but we got college game day rolling into salt lake city tomorrow so when you listen to this podcast it'll be today and utah is taking on the eighth ranked oregon ducks and uh utah's ranked 13th yep i'm going to the game with my mom who's <laughs> never been to rice Eccles for a big game it's gonna be something else yeah yeah 130 which is lame which is so dumb yeah like Oregon, Utah, that's prime time. I mean, game day's coming. Yeah, but get that game started at thanks, 5.30. Thanks, Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, for real. I think it's actually, it's going to be on, let's see what channel it's going to be on. Fox. Yeah. So That's big. That's big. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm a big Pat McAfee fan, so he's going to be here. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be talking about the Utes. And he's going to be in Salt Lake. And they just announced that he is going to be unveiling the hand-painted helmets that they will be wearing tomorrow in the game. They do such a good job with those. Yeah. Um, I remember when they had, was it the USS Utah, the battleship? That's the game we went to. Yeah. Oregon. Yeah. yeah, and they had their uh, steel gray uniforms with those mm-hmm. helmets. Oh, so cool. So cool. Yeah. And uh, I, anyway, I think that's just going to be such a cool college football experience. Yeah. So. That's, dude, my mom. So my mom's a BYU fan. She grew up a BYU fan. We'll forgive her. She's yeah, cool. Yeah, she's cool. So, but she went to the San Jose State game with me last year. Yeah, which was cool, but it's not Rice Eccles packed to the brim against an number eight team. So I'm excited. It it is a phenomenal, remarkable atmosphere. Yeah. It, and so anyway, they have an 18 game winning streak. Yeah. In that stadium, they're they're the third longest home streak right now in the country. Right. And you know. Oregon's going to really push the bound, push that limit. Oh, dude. Yeah, they're going to try and push the envelope, especially because if I'm Oregon, I still kind of have a chip on my shoulder from years past when we kind of like blew them out of the water, you know? Well, like, well, and we better have a chip on our shoulder because last year. Yeah, right. We, they embarrassed us, and the, you know, and they're embarrassed. I mean, we lost by like, I think we lost by six. So, like, we didn't get beat. 
But Wade Cam Rising played that game. We should have been beat like we, you know, like like we should have been absolutely dominated that game. Yeah. But we did we weren't. Our defense kept us in the game and our offense did enough to keep us in it. So um yeah, great crazy, crazy opportunity for Utah here. If they were to come out of this seven and one without Cam Rising, without Brent Keithy, without these guys that have kept them into the Pac twelve championship talk for the past three years, that would be a miracle. After beating the top rank some of the top ranked teams in the nation. Yeah. Right. I mean, all I got to really say is that if you live your life right off the field, you know, you're blessed on it. So yeah, every time um, without yeah. fail or mm-hmm. question. Uh, so, but, uh, so I think, I think Utah wins this game only because it's at home, but I think they win it by like a goal. Like, I do not think it's going to be a, 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 I expect it to be a barn burner. Yeah. 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 It's going to be, I also think it's going to be a defensive battle. Yeah. Oregon's offense is really good, but, um, and Utah's offense is, is getting better, um, but this will be the Utah's first time playing a top twenty defense. In in and I mean they played UCLA, which I think is twenty eight. Yeah. So UCLA's got a good defense, but uh, yeah. So I think crazy game in Salt Lake. I'm really excited. I think Utah's going to get the dub, but I'm nervous about it. So. Oh, I, I mean, same. I mean, yeah. Oregon is look. They look good, and the the way they played Washington, there was some coaching errors that were obviously made down the stretch i think you fix those court coaching errors oregon had a real shot Mm -hmm. absolutely did and washington is stacked right well lanning i don't know what he was doing at the end of that game dude yeah some of his decisions about you know block management and stuff was like what are you doing yeah it's just it was it was almost like the rebel without a cause kind of thing he was just being risky to be risky it seemed like right it just wasn't Anyway, so hopefully he makes the same coaching mistakes in, Let's the, hope he does. in the game against maybe, Utah. Maybe the Musk can, can make him get, you know, yeah. make him get, get crazy. His head, get you his know? head a little bit. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, you fans, I'll see you tomorrow. In, uh, I'll see you in, on Saturday in Salt Lake. Come say hi to my mom with me. Tanner will be coming with me to Colorado game this year. Uh, he wants to go see Coach yep. Prime. So but it'll be good. I'm really excited. Uh, let's hit up the next segment, which is going to be movies and film. Sweet. Here. We're going to be talking about a couple movies. This might be the first week I've ever talked about two movies that were terrible. Um, so <laughs> Tanner and I had the pleasure of watching... <clears throat> Displeasure. Dis- uh, yeah, uh, watching Elysium. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. It's spelled weird. Um, yep. Yeah, it's the, it's got... Um, Matt Damon, Matt I Matt Damon, yeah. yeah. And uh, that movie was terrible. That movie was absolute cheeks. And... Uh, it was the worst. Dude, the, the, I don't know who, I don't know her name. The lady who played kind of like Overwatch, the, the lady in charge with the short oh, blonde yeah, yeah. hair. Worst acting I've ever seen, I think. <laughs> I literally was thinking the whole time, I'm like, I don't think normal humans react that way. I'm going to be honest with you. No one in that movie was acting well. No. Just like period, the end. And the whole time, I mean... The reason we even started watching it in the first place is because a roommate decided he just wanted to turn it on, right? Yeah, and, well, he's like, oh, we've never seen this before. I've never seen this before. Have you guys? And we're like, no. And, he, and then later, I think it was the next day, was when he was like, yeah, let's just turn it on. And so we started watching it with him. 
we were all like at the end of the movie we were like can you is this over please end like end now i i hope every character in this movie dies the movie the movie would be more compelling if it ended now rather than when it actually was supposed to right so yeah don't watch that movie it's a waste of time and if you liked that movie uh feel free to comment and uh give me your wrong opinion so um And then uh, second movie, uh, Tanner and I want to. Tanner literally, as we're starting the recording, goes, "Do you think we're gonna go see uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie?" And <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. And um, he he's not under the illusion that it's gonna be good, but he does want to go see it. Five Nights at Freddy's was like a a game that we watched um, a lot as a kid. We watched a YouTuber named Markiplier. He used, he was. A big part of I would say a big part of our our the high school experience, the high school days yeah. for us, uh, and he's still a big part of my life. Like I still watch him now. He's a big motivation and inspiration to me, uh, especially with content creation. But like, yeah, we would watch him play Five Nights at Freddy's, and yeah. when this movie got announced, I remember you going, "We should go see that." We should just watch it for like nostalgia's sake, you know. You you, <laughs> you know it's not going to be great, no. But like, I I mean, I just remember. Being up in the canyon at nighttime and having one of our friends tell everyone in our group about this scary game with animatronics. And it was like Chuck E. Cheese at night. And we just thought that was so cool. So we drive home from the canyon. We stop at my place. We all go up into our loft and we turn on the TV. And it just so happened to be Markiplier's playthrough and stream of the game. Yeah. And we just watched in awe at this very creative indie horror game with a new mechanic we thought was so cool yeah. and, and now and every then, horror game uses it yeah and feels then, like yeah and you know having foxy jump out at the end right before his character died and we all just screamed our heads yeah. off because it scared us so bad you know <laughs> like though th- that's kind of why i want to go watch the movie but every time i look at the trailer i'm just like same thing you yeah. know like that security guard and that one snip and i'm like i don't think normal humans actually react that way yeah but we'll we'll give it a shot <laughs> so we're gonna go see five nights at freddy's in the movie theater and uh this will be like the first this is the first time tanner's ever wanted to go see a horror movie with me in movie theaters so we'll see how that goes but uh so yeah i'll keep you guys updated on that that should be kind of fun but uh yeah so that's gonna do it for the movie segment pretty short we'll uh we'll cut it there um, let's let's go to the next segment, which is Tanner's specialty. That'll be the mental health minute. All right, you guys. So mental health minute, Tanner, you're here. You've been here for the episode. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? We are going to talk about something in a third wave form of cognitive behavioral therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. It was developed by a woman named Marsha Linehan. Back in the seventies, eighties, I don't know the exact year. Um, year for just real therapy. When, when she, yeah, when she actually created it. Um, by that time, cognitive behavioral therapy had been a thing for a couple of decades, but um, people were starting to experiment with Eastern mindfulness practices in addition to the cognitive behavioral therapy. So she developed a therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy (DBT), and I like the overarching premise of what DBT stands for. Um, A dialectic is where two seemingly contradictory things exist at the same time and they don't actually contradict each other. Um, A a small example of this would be like if you've ever experienced a happy and sad event in your life. 
you know, you have both emotions that seem to contradict each other occurring at the same time. And they actually like harmonize somehow, mm-hmm. you know, and it creates a very powerful memory or emotion, you know? Um, but the reason I like dialectical behavioral therapy, because it's based off the premise of we are worthy of love and acceptance and we need to change. That is the, the dialectic at, at the heart of what that therapy is. Mm-hmm. And I love that messaging because, um, you know, we live in a world today that's so radically individualistic mm-hmm. that, you know, personal pleasure, hedonism is at the top of everyone's priority list. And sometimes in the pursuit of those pleasures, we actually fail to make sacrifices that are for our good and for our benefit. Right. And so, you know, I, in my practice, I see a lot of people who, what they'll do is they'll come to my office sometimes and they think that, you know, the pursuit of pleasure itself is the greatest good. And sometimes I have to help them understand. I'm like, you know, you're not entitled to things. You actually have to put in work. You have to change, mm-hmm. but that doesn't diminish your worth. You know, that fact that you need to change doesn't diminish your worth right. as a human. You're still worthy of love and to be under and being understood and having relationships and all that stuff, you know? So like you have to incorporate that mentality with the idea that sacrifice sometimes needs to be made, mm-hmm. that change needs to happen. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that is a powerful principle. But I think that sometimes we forget because, you know, even for me, for example, there are moments where, you know, you've accrued a lot of stress. You got a lot on your, on your shoulders and you're looking around just thinking, man, like, like I don't feel super great. You know, it's easy to like really try to dive into those personal pleasures and just like kind of forget the fact that you still need to put in work or that you still have things you need to do. You know, Um, your emotions are going to pull you in one direction uh, to those things that maybe aren't super helpful, but are like, they feel good. Sure. Um, sometimes it's nice to just be mindful of these emotions and, and still do the things you need to do. Yeah. You give yourself permission to be like, Oh, I feel a certain way, but I can also do things that I need to do at the same time without ignoring my emotions. Right. Yeah. Or the opposite being, I just listen to my emotions and don't do anything, you know? So very helpful practice for those who really have a hard time with relationships, maybe regulating emotions Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, even, you know, these are all part of the DBT curriculum, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, Mindfulness is another one of those. Managing crisis is another one of those things. So, you know, for those who these are big goals of theirs and they're not quite sure how to do it. Uh, professionals who specialize in dialectical behavioral therapy would be worth talking to. It was made for those who struggle with borderline personality tendencies, which is just marked by unstable relationships, emotional reactivity, impulsivity, um, you know, and because because DBT is so tailored to the, to treat those specific things, anyone who struggles with those could benefit from it. So, Anyway, those are just some of my thoughts on the therapy itself. I'd be curious to, you know, get your thoughts, maybe what you're thinking and stuff. It uh, it reminds me of the first week you were on. You talked about 
finding a purpose beyond yourself. Yeah. A little bit. And um, the reason it reminds me of that is because you talk about how you got to work, right, for these things that are outside of pleasure. You're not just trying to achieve pleasure. Like, and I think a lot of what we do or what I know, I know I do this is when I get to my worst, it's because I'm only pursuing things that help myself and that are quote unquote pleasurable. Yeah. Right. Those are the things I'm focusing on. Those are your hard dopamine hits. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to achieve. Right. And so it's like, um, like with food, like my, like I have a fast food addiction. If anybody, you know, people follow me on Twitter, I, I just tweeted last Sunday. I said, Hey, October 23rd, I believe 2023, I'm done with fast food, but done period over. No questions asked. And then I kind of made a clarifying quote tweet. I said, listen, like this is an addiction for me. And you can laugh about it all you want uh, because I know people, some people, some people think specific addictions are a joke because they're not drugs or not, you know, that's fine. If you believe that, it's fine. I don't care. Yeah. I know what this is for me. It's something that I'm thinking about all the time. This is something that I seek out all the time. This is, I mean, I was watching the USC Utah game and I was, you were, I was thinking about McDonald's as Cole Becker's lining up a, a field goal kick to beat USC in the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem. I'm dependent on it. And so that's why I kind of made that tweet because it was me not just promising my followers, but it was a, it was a vote. It was a, a public uh, commitment to myself that this was going to change. Yeah. And, uh, and so I also uh, started group therapy. I started, uh, and I've been seeing another therapist. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to therapy twice a week. Yeah. And then I include meetings with you and it's like four times a week. So uh, <laughs> no, uh, but uh, we were talking about in group therapy. We're talking about, I mean, you talked you talk a little bit about it. Uh, knowing when emotions are coming up, why they're coming up, and how to face them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that applies to what you're saying at all. It does. But, I mean, it's emotions are really helpful in, help, in helping you tap into, like, what you need. The problem is, is, like, we take lots of shortcuts in getting those needs met. You know? Using coping, unhealthy coping. Yeah, using coping unhealthy coping, coping skills. Yeah. We use stuff that is easily accessible, stuff that re- pre- like preserves anonymity and is affordable. The three A's of addiction, you yeah. could say, right? And, and so, as those addictions get worse, I find that you start going after things that aren't as affordable, yeah. that offer a better high. And, and it's why someone with more you know, financial means actually uh, enables themselves because they have, the, they have the means to like get what they need. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so what like, Tanner's recommending is that you stay poor. Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like just an example of, you know, that particular phenomena is just, yeah, your, your emotions are going to tell you, Hey, I'm not doing well. Huh. That's all they do. And so your body responds. And so, yeah. With like your, your emotions literally just tell you something's happening. We may have said it before. I don't remember, but it's like a check engine light. Yeah. It, unless you scan your car, you don't know what that check engine light represents. It's just telling you something's happening, right? And all you know is that when you buy a 20-piece from McDonald's, 20-piece McNugget, that check engine light goes off for a few minutes. Right. And you don't have to worry about it. Right. And it's like, you know, for the car guys out there, you know that sometimes maybe you'll hit a bump and that light will turn off and you'll think, great, problems, problems resolved, right? right? And then it comes back. You know, the problem isn't resolved. It's just it, there was a temporary solution and, and maybe the wiring got mixed up. I don't know. But like same thing with our mal, we call it maladaptive coping skills. Your emotions are actually trying to tell you, hey, 
something needs to change. We're not in a good spot here. And we are naturally inclined to, because our brains don't like to work, actually. It's very, we like to form habits. We like to form patterns, which is why when we actually push ourselves outside of our comfort zone and we trick our brains into thinking that that process itself is actually the reward, then we form a good habit. And our, our emotional needs get met in a way that is healthy and long lasting. Because, you know, food is a great example. You can get hooked on food. Food just gives you dopamine hits. Same with drugs. You know, it may not be in the same, you know, dosage you could say, mm-hmm. right? But you're still getting something out of food. You know, if your emotions really are down in the dumps, you're feeling low, of course you're going to turn to food. It's going to turn off that switch really fast, really quickly. Right. But it has nowhere near as powerful of an effect as if you kind of weed through, or I, I should say like kind of wander through the, the lonely, dark emotions and gradually get your baseline up without any dopamine. And it, will, it, it does, it raises it naturally over about a course of a month or so. And so if you can like kind of wade through that, get through that point and in the meantime do healthy things that actually help you you that are contributing to the accomplishment of your goals that's where you're going to find that real baseline happiness get it will go up it will increase and so you know that's that's what I try to help my clients do it's it takes practice and it's, it takes some relapse too especially if there's an actual addiction involved Right. Like it's, it's a hard thing. There was a, a moment in group therapy where you talk about with addictions, you talk about streaks. You see it in like AA where you get the coins yeah. for certain streaks met and stuff like that. And if that works, that's great. Like I'm glad it works for you. But tracking progress by how long a streak goes doesn't, in my opinion, like solve the, like the problem. You need to change how you're facing your, your emotional turmoil and your emotions in general. Yeah. And that's what I've personally been working on. Uh, in fact, today, like today, I asked somebody a question that uh, the answer was a big deal to me. And I sent them a, a message and, and I saw them respond. And I waited and I waited till I was sitting still so I could just read through the message. And before I opened it, though, I said, okay, whatever this text says, whatever emotions you feel, you can handle this and you can face it. Like, and you're going to be okay, whatever it is. And I just kind of like prepared myself. Does that make sense? And I said, even if it's bad, you're not going to go to JCW's and get a large cheese fry and a three-piece chicken tender. Like, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to do that. You're going to keep to your goals no matter what this says. I, I promised myself that. And then I opened it. And it wasn't good news. You know, it wasn't what I was looking for. But I was okay. In fact, it was rejection. Yeah. And... It's something that I'm working on handling better and not realizing that rejection does not symbolize my worth. Right. Right. It just symbolizes the stupidity of the person rejecting me. Anyway, um, no, so, um, <laughs> that one back. We're going to edit that out. No, no, it's jokes. I, uh, my biggest problem has always been that if I was rejected, I thought it was a symbolism of, or a reflection of my, of my worth or yeah. how much, you know, um, I'm valued in the, in the eyes of others um, and which affected how I valued myself. Right. And so that's something that I've been working on 
uh, trying to become more emotionally mature that way. But uh, yeah, I don't know why I felt like I needed to say that, but that's just an example of what's been going on. And I love that because, you know, to wrap it all back up nicely, that is dialectics, what you just practiced, you know? Yeah. You recognized that, sure, I'm not going to get the outcome maybe that I want. Mm -hmm. But regardless of what is what I receive from this person, I'm still worthy of having goals that I accomplish. I'm still worthy of success. I'm still worthy of, you know, having good things happen for me. Does what this person say make it so I can't post podcasts anymore or make video edits? Right. Or or pursue the things that I want to do with content creation? Does it keep me from pursuing what I want in IT? No, it doesn't do any right. of that. Yeah. The, so. the you know, your your focus if you're practicing dialectics at its core is yes, regardless of what is happening or not happening for me, I'm still worthy of good things. I'm still a human being who deserves those things. And I can't stay here in this place. Right. I need to change. I need to improve. I need to sacrifice. It is, like I said earlier, two seemingly contradictory things that exist at the same time that help keep us going. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, you have that foundation, knowing who you are and like where, like how you, like I guess I should say what your worth is as a human. And then the other side is pulling you in a direction you want to go. Yeah. You know? So it is definitely a great practice, a great mentality to to have. That's why I wanted to share it tonight. And it sounds like you're implementing it pretty well, especially with some new goals you have, which is awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. Five days now, no fast food. Been making just, just like, you know, frozen oven meals the past few days but today i air fried some venison made some venison tacos it was good yeah it, i was surprised it came out as well as it did but yeah I, uh, i'm trying hard trying hard to to really change what, what's going on and i, I want to honestly just be healthy so yeah. i'm working on it and trying to keep it in my mind that it's not instant right it's gonna take time i mean it took six years to get to where i am now right not going to take four months to get back to where I was. No. And that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, you know, I recognize that, yeah, the work that it'll take, it's it takes sacrifice for sure. But uh, thank goodness for human resilience. Yeah. And the fact that um, with, with enough effort, like we really can see some pretty drastic changes happen. I'm... I have a lot of confidence in the good work that people can do for themselves and the changes that can come as a result. So keep it up. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for being on today. Thanks for being on the whole podcast episode. Hopefully you had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Talking sports and movies and it wasn't like a, it's not a super long form factor podcast, but it's it's fun. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoy it. So, Yep, I like doing this, so I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you being here. So, all right, guys, that's gonna do it for today. Thanks for uh, listening in to the Touchdowns and Ticket Stubs podcast. Um, you know, I'm I'm I appreciate every single one of you that that uh, supports me uh, here and and on Twitter and maybe a previous TikTok life before the ban. 
But uh, no, you guys are awesome. I appreciate every single one of you. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week, guys. I'll see you next week. Have a good one.